This is Shaco Art Speak. Welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Hey, we're here with um, Girathosaurus Rex. <laughs> That's Gareth Blackwell, Doctor Snacks Mill. That's right. And we're here with uh, Cody Spice, Code Red. Um, <laughs> doesn't doesn't pee in the bed. Um, <laughs> That we know of. That's true. Don't Welcome worry. back, Cody. Cody, Cody they'll get worse before they get better. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> you guys are still working out your flow. I yeah. That. It's okay. Yeah. Cody Cody is Teflon. Like, you can, everything just bounces off of him. He's an, immune to any kind of um, humor. Any kind of humor. He's humorless. <laughs> you ever heard of those candy bars that are uh, humor, good humor? Good humor bars. Cream? Yeah, bars. <clears throat> Anyhow, I don't yeah. know where I'm going, but here's the thing. <laughs> we do know what we're talking about today. We do. We do. Yeah, we're up in the entrepreneurship. Yeah, we're back uh, in the conversation still. Um, when I when I think about entrepreneurship, one thing I notice is the word entree. Yeah, it makes you want to. I mean, like, mm, there's man, something there. No, yeah, yeah. Three course meals are fantastic. Four course meals. Yeah. But what's the etymology uh, of the word entree? Uh, it's definitely not the same as entrepreneur. Uh, is it? I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, entrepreneur is a French loan word, and entree is as well. Yeah, I'm trying to. So you got entree with uh, one e and entree with two e's. Okay. All right. So Easy you've got, e. Uh, yep. Um, and so I'm not sure. I don't know the up? exact etymology of it. I'm I think it, it up. I think it has to do with food. I I want to go ahead and say that all of this comes back to me <clears> eating. 1828 entrepreneur, manager or promoter of a theatrical production. I'm going to cite my source: online etymology dictionary. And it's a borrowing, a reborrowing of French entrepreneur, one who undertakes or manages food. Agent noun from Old French, entrepreneur. That's my great French. That's good, dude. Uh, undertake, oh. see enterprise. So, an, someone who undertakes something. Oh, I love it. The now word we're somewhere. first crossed the channel, late 15th century, Middle English entrepreneur, but did not stay, meaning business manager is from 1852, related entrepreneurship. That is so good. I'm so glad we did that. You see how that worked? My ignorance produced a good answer. Mm-hmm. Shock of heart space. Ignorance producing knowledge. Yes. Bling. Bing. Ignorance <laughs> producing lots of knowledge. Yeah. Manager Bling. or promoter of a theatrical production. That's really interesting. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think I think that's great. So here, there we go. That's actually really interesting in light of the questions that we have. So what are we doing today? We got questions. We, we got, got questions. questions. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. So like. We always say, uh, we always love these conversations to be a jumping off point for things. So we're not looking to be definitive and completely encapsulate the topic mm-hmm. within our conversation, but to always start a conversation with y'all and the questions that you may have. So, um, yeah, where's that leave us, Cody? Yeah. So we've got a few questions, um, and they're sort of of the clarifying type where people have listened to our conversations. They said sort of, a in light of an Ian Hess spirit, what, what did you mean, mean by that? that? So th- maybe this is because uh, that's such an exclusive Ian Hess thing that maybe this is a Cody clarifies. Maybe this what is. We, I don't even know yeah, what yeah, jingle no. will be. Cody well, clarifies. I feel well, like I'm not comfortable competing with Ian about this. Well, yeah, too so bad. E- well, the jingle will be made, and it will the go jingle right will be made. here. It'll go here. Hello. Cody clarifies. And here's the thing: you're gonna love it. And Ian is still, what did you mean by It's time to That's play. True. What did you mean by that? And uh, Cody clarifies. Hello. Cody clarifies. Great. So this is the first question. Uh, we had a question about 
when we're talking about artists and entrepreneurship, are those basically the same thing? Is an on, is an artist an entrepreneur? Like, is that is that just kind of like two different words for people uh, doing the same thing? Basically, that's a good question. I mean, I, I guess I could. Give I can understand why someone would ask it. Yeah, same thing. Because uh, we have been, uh, maybe I don't. I don't. We have not been equivocating the two, but we have been providing providing enough overlap. We've been loose though. Happen. Yeah, it's been yeah, loose. Been loose. Um, do you want to jump in on that one? No, I'll let you. I'll let you. Okay, so <laughs> I think it's one of those things where um, I always forget it if it's like the. The, the whole state, statement of like uh, a rectangle can be a square, but a square can't be a rectangle. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, what it is? Yeah, a square can be a rectangle, but a rectangle can't be a square. Right. So there's like that sort of thing where it's like they're, they can completely mean the same thing at certain times, but they can also be completely different. And I think we have categories for this that already exist. Um, so there are plenty of places within entrepreneurship. Because if you're talking about, you know, just going back to our original definition from the first episode, the creation or extraction of economic value, you can do that in a completely non-creative makerly sense, right? Mm -hmm. So you could say, my father owned a factory and I know how to make that factory more efficient. So I will build a more efficient factory. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be creative in that space. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to include any of those things that we would consistently placed within like the artist maker designer sort of category well so i'm gonna i'm gonna push back so you don't have to be creative in that space it depends on whether or not you're heavily linking the word creative with the word artist if you're optimizing a factory there's creativity that's happening you're having to evaluate what you have you're having to consider your resources and there's a potential that the solution is not obvious this is a lowercase c, uppercase c distinction. Yeah, yeah, because I would I would say that everything you described is not necessarily creativity, uh, but optimization and efficiency, which mm. I would look at within a dichotomy of engineering versus design. So going to like the uppercase, lowercase c, mm-hmm. uh, engineering is not necessarily sorry, folks out there is not necessarily artistic, makerly, or uses design, and design does not always use efficiency or optimization in such a way that it would veer towards the making of something that actually could be functional, right? So we have in that Venn diagram, I would see those as the two separate, fear, two separate spheres, design and engineering, and the place where they overlap is what I would say is actually like very good design because you're incorporating. So why would it be very good engineering? Um, if, I would say. If there's engineering and design as two circles and when they overlap, why does that overlap get to be called design and not engineering? Ooh. Well, That's no, I would question. say it's good design um, because, uh, well, one thing is because I, I don't, so I can make a bridge that works that looks like dog crap that does not make me excited to be on it. You know I mean? So you have, uh, you have things like, so then, well, you, then you go into concepts, yeah, like, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, the, maybe yeah. the idea is beautiful and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Fittingness, I'm, fittingness is, is a, a coming together. Right. Um, so, so it, this is where you have to have, I do think you have to have like, uh, um, uh, so that's where this this will be a this will be a hilarious five hour conversation that we're about to have <laughs> should be having um, to make our point. So like so like aesthetic isn't necessarily isn't at all beautiful. It's aesthetic. Mm-hmm. So so um, there's um, so creative in the like there's like a way where you use the words like colloquial. It's not mm-hmm. it's not um, uh, it's usage is to to uh it's a modifier of uh something in the way that you were using it yeah so so we're not talking about 
uppercase uh, creativity. Um, it's just like you're not talking about uppercase, if you will, uh, aesthetics mm-hmm. in the philosophical category of study or in the primary association with the arts. Yeah, yeah. Which is not to say that these things are not present, but they're not the primarily foregrounded components just like a certain kind of makerliness and engineering is not primarily foregrounded Mm -hmm. um and so like i think it's just to say that uh they're always they're always really uh uh connected um but some things can take are unnecessarily on average take an extreme backseat Mm -hmm. It's an extreme, extreme backseat to the point that you're like, it's not, and I think that's where you're getting at. It's like, it's like, it's not really even there. Yeah. It's there in an incipient way. It's there in an extreme backseat kind of way. It's sort of like it's there in a, we live in a world where this thing is here sort of way. Yeah. Almost yeah. like every field can exist in such a way where certain things can just be stumbled upon, even if they're not intended. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, cause, cause that becomes the depth. Well, this is, you know, my, my, cause, because I actually hold to everything being aesthetic, therefore, um, and because aesthetic is not charged with being synonymous with beautiful, it's not um, if but how. Yes, yeah, so then it just becomes uh, uh, how or what, to what end, <laughs> right? And then that can become a preferential thing. Um, and engineering has a, a way of showing that the world is cogent and coherent in um, in manners of things coming together for some fitted work. Like, so it, it says that the world is um, regular enough that things can be engineered to work towards whatever end. And, and that in and of itself is something of value and even creativity. But in the, um, so if you go back to like, so because if you go back, this is why Da Vinci was do, de- dealing with all of these things. It's because for him, he didn't see them as, um, he saw them as discreet and distinct. But he also saw them as interchangeable, or not interchangeable, but interrelated, mutually mm-hmm. dependent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, some taking more emphases than others, sometimes taking extreme emphases. Um, and so uh, I'm just saying that, and I don't even always even like to use the capital C lowercase thing, like capital T transcendence lowercase t. Um, uh, but it is helpful because it's it's not a either or. Both it's more, it's almost always more of a both end. Uh, but there's primacy. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what was the original question again? The question you were posing to Gareth was about. Well, so the question I was posing to Gareth was whether or not um, there can be entrepreneurship without creativity, which I gather is wedded to how closely we associate the word creativity with artistry, which is then wedded to is it possible to be entrepreneurial without being artistic or being an artist because so i would sort of say you could triangle. well so then there is the question of optimization uh, and um optimization. efficiency which to gareth's point can be completely mechanistic and uh dehumanizing um i, I mean i don't know if that's what you were saying but i'm saying yeah. there's there's a cold there's a coldness where you could say well it's really devoid of um any kind of humanization at all which mm-hmm. is would be the more the greater concern for me than whether it was creative or not well and that's um, but but that's that's where we're we're sort of I think stumbling upon a question of like, ironically, we start with the question of how we're defining entrepreneurship and artistry, and we're sort of stumbling into how do we define creativity and whether or not creativity and artistry are distinctly wedded in a particular way, that it doesn't support us associating the word creativity with something like engineering. Well, and and not that I wouldn't associate it in totality with engineering, but I would say that 
<clears throat> if you're looking at how problems are approached, uh, you would say that design has uh, primary categories in which they will ask and study. And engineering has primary categories. And the secondary, tertiary, or other things, it, it could be an absolute flip and reversal mm -hmm. for both fields. Yes. So where they meet in the middle, why I would call that good design and use the preferential language of good design versus good engineering, because uh, you could do the same thing. You could say good engineering, but um, is because it's actually finding the middle ground where there's uh, some understanding. It's, it's how mutually so when when things are fitted, it be, mm -hmm. they become mutually encapsulative. Yeah, that's actually that's how well the world is together and can come together. Well, and I would say when it becomes mutually encapsulative, mm -hmm. I would go even, even uh, further, and I would say that uh, you cannot have design period. Void of engineering, and you cannot have engineering uh, devoid of design. Say. So yeah. you, could but, almost, you could almost say the Venn diagram overlap is well-designed engineering or well-engineered design. Yes, and they're kind of right. Ultimately, both communicating that overlap. And so then, in the spaces where they don't overlap, that is where creativity might not actually be playing out at all. And and here's the reason: I I think much more highly of creativity as a category, as a term, as an adjective, than I think. Uh, current culture does because current culture is having to slap it on anything anytime oh, yeah. anytime you yeah. have a you know just some stupid like fart of a thought go through your head like oh it's creative it's no like, you no, put it's, not. it's, it's, it's just like, an idea yeah and at, and then that starts in kindergarten so a kid puts a circle on the page and they go oh they're being creative no they put a circle on the page yeah they were not being creative like right. like that's not creativity i mean if i if i was like hey check out this creativity yesterday i had some hot dogs you know what i did i stuck all the catch money outside the bun it's not creative that's dumb Right. Yeah, it's dumb for a number of reasons, and exactly what we're talking about. Like, you may have had some like artistic impulse and do some weird thing, um, or fact, you may so be let like, me, but let it me doesn't go, function at all. Let me go. Let me take your analogy really quick. <laughs> so, so uh, somebody somebody takes a taco and they put the uh, and I'm being serious. I'm using tacos for convenience, but so they put the sauce on the outside of the yeah. the thing. It doesn't quite work, but and but and so like they're 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 playing around, right? So they put sauce on the shell on the outside of the taco and on both sides. So then they flip it over to the side and they're like, well, now I can't really pick it up. So I got to eat with a fork. And then mm -hmm. they're like, you know what? I'm going to um, put some cheese on that. I'm just going to bake it on its side. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, huh, I'm just going to do what I did last night, which is flatten the taco shells, put the meat and the beans on the inside and pour enchilada sauce on top and call it a Taco Bell styles Mexican pizza. Mm -hmm. So what will what happened? Well, there's play. Um uh, failed engineering or or, or uh, me usurping design of the handheld function of the taco. Mm -hmm. So not failed engineering, but I, I've 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 uh, you know if I stop at you know putting stuff on a tour, I've I've blunted out its primary design function, which is for me to hold it and be like a, a street taco style like origination, like hold it in your hand. So if you're like working. You know, you can eat quickly and get back to work kind of design, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That fits the hand, like really incredible design efficiency tacos. Um, I've stripped it of that. And if I stay there, it's dumb because it's like you didn't, you didn't gain anything really. And, you know, I know this sounds harsh because people are like, well, what if they want to do it? Well, fine, do, do whatever you want. But I'm just saying it's still. If you stop at still, like, I just put the sauce on the outside of the taco. And now I'm trying to hold it. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's my dumb. Hands That's dirty. dumb. Yeah, now your hands are dirty. It, it, it did, you're you're yeah, undermining yeah. its function. <laughs> my but if cuticle that, sting. But creativity kicks in when you're problem solving the idea into something that actually becomes a, a new categorical designation. And you're like, oh, mm. now. This has caused me to think about what if, mm -hmm. and now I'm making these connections, and something hybridized or new 
relatively speaking, mm-hmm. you know, in the lowercase new is is happened that has its own kind of design to it, like right. its own design functionality and flows from this, but it flows from the play. So like if that's the end, well now we're now now we're saying, wow, that's amazing how you got from here to here with this inspiration and 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 then somebody, now this is the thing, somebody else might say that was very creative as an encapsulative or as a um, catch statement for the whole process. Mm. But you on the side of doing it may not be saying I'm being creative. You just might you might have had to solve a, a dumb action you did yeah, yeah. Uh, like or a cure or or and i don't mean dictionary dumb i don't mean like the person is dumb i'm saying it's like kind of like a, a dictionary dumb kind of uh blunting out of good design um and so things uh, go opaque and then they become translucent and light again like the the mm-hmm. design lightness shows up in the configuration and then there's a bit of brilliance boiled in because you landed on something that is not necessarily better than a taco, but is distinctive from a taco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and now now you have this kind of uh summary of of what happened. Um, yeah. Anyhow, and I, think, I, I don't you know, know if that's makes sense, but no, it is helpful. And I think when we point back to some of those rules that John Hawkins gave for like having like creative economic production, mm-hmm. one of them is that everyone has the ability to practice creativity. Yeah. And so what I would say is that creativity is not a specific sort of like thing that's outside of very normal human existence like Mm -hmm. we all our minds all exist in that way so if i were just to optimize or make something more efficient i would say that's a natural course of a human mind that's right to do that Mm -hmm. um which is why i would say that everybody is creative right which in that sense and so i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say that that normal activity you know like i wouldn't be like oh he's an athlete he's able to walk to his car you know what i mean yeah it doesn't make you an athlete that's mm-hmm. exactly right. It gives you a normal thing that you do because you are human. Yeah. And so the only way that we can get into this like circle on the page as a kindergartner, oh, it's so creative, is if we minimize the human reality yeah. of the fact that we practice that continually. Yeah. yeah. So then we have to have a separate category where that's excelling, right? Yeah. So everybody is physical. So yeah. I should be able to walk to my car. If yeah. I am not, there's an issue. And if I'm able to not just walk to my car, but run 26.2 miles to my car, yeah. then there may be another categorical... Uh, distinction as athlete right yeah there may be things like that so in terms of creativity i would put it in that sort of language of like it doesn't have we don't have to call every new thing creative Mm -hmm. because making new things is as i understand myself and others part and parcel to how we even survive Mm -hmm. so you're starting to say so that that helps establish that in order for us to explicitly label something as creative, it has to cross a certain threshold that's beyond just a normal daily life type of creativity that is part of being human. I think so, because there are plenty of people, I think, who would say, like, I'm not creative at all, but mm-hmm. they have come up with cool ideas, new ways to do stuff, mm-hmm. and they themselves wouldn't even necessarily call it creativity. Yeah, They'd I just, just say, put those on the Richter scale. Yeah, I just needed to problem impact. solve. Yeah. yeah, they're just, they're, they're levels of impact. So, like, the, yeah. the Richter scale category is helpful because it's like, you know, there's the one that's, felt by everyone, the earthquake felt mm-hmm. by everybody is meter making um, historically written about or there's local earthquake where it's like everybody remembers in the neighborhood what happened and then there's the one that happened in your house that uh, five people felt and then there's the one that happened that no one felt but you know it was there. Mm-hmm. So so like it's it's often the way others talk about what you've done. So to your point, it's, 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 it's um, relational in that Others will say that was real artistry. Mm-hmm. Others will typically say, like Oliver Jackson always says, like, I don't know whether or not I'm making art. He's like, I'm making a painting. I'll mm-hmm. let other people decide whether or not it's art. That's good. So yeah. so the same is true with creativity a lot of times, too, is what, 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 
what's happening is it's other people's way of shorthanding their recognition of the totality of something that they're the recipient of. Mm. That was very creative what you did there. I see that it's a, a way for them to describe what you mm-hmm. did. Um, on this side, you're engineering, designing, problem solving, um, you know, playing, making. It's a whole it, constellation it's a whole, of activities. Yeah, I'm painting and, and there's composition and there's design in the composition. And, 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 and again, like that, we always bump into this because I actually just think that all of these things are much more over, um, overlapped <laughs> and uh, occupy a similar silhouette. Uh, so so they're, they're much more together than apart. And that's always that conversation is the beauty of the podcast is we're always walking along those fault lines mm-hmm. or those chasms. And as we sew these up, we're always finding new points that must be sewed up, mm-hmm. which is like even this conversation is like th- things have to be sewn up. And, uh, um, and also then it's freeing because you don't have to worry about whether or not you're making art, which is what art school does. Mm-hmm. It presses you to go, is it art or not? It's like, I don't know. That's your opinion. Or yeah. whether or not you're being creative. Yeah. Or whether or not you're being creative because there's so many things that come far before that. And, um, and I would even say like design comes before that actually in a lot of ways. Like if I'm laying out my composition, there is composition and design are more of an overlap silhouette than they are distinct categories. Mm -hmm. One for applied arts and one for fine arts. Like I'm designing on the page as soon as I start to lay out elements. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as I start to do that, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You've entered into design composition, design composition. And, and now, but the means by which I'm going is into painting. And so when I, um, so like to land it back on entrepreneurship, uh, um, these factors are always in the background. That's my point is, is that um, we're drawing upon them, but they may not be like to your point, Gareth, they may not be primary at all. Yeah, yeah. To, the, to their just such, they're, 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 but they're not, not there is the, is the point yeah. that I would fight for. Yeah, and I think, you know, so so with that, if we're talking about like the kind of like artist side of things mm-hmm. and the entrepreneurial side of things, I'd, I'd pit them in somewhat the same way where I think there's a huge overlap where it's done really, really well and we mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. But within, uh, you know, if if entrepreneurship is extracting that economic value, like we don't have to do that within art. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the case, mm-hmm. right? And I think that um, that that conversation is a valid one of like, the art for art's sake is a valid conversation. Yeah. Uh, it is only invalidated in my mind when it becomes the predominant conversation within a severely high priced institutional framework mm-hmm. where they say, Oh yeah, give us $300,000 over a few years and then don't worry about ever having to make a living off this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where tastemakers yeah. who are not required to have primary knowledge, but they have some kind of adjacent, um, uh, uh, cultural value and economic status that allows them to leverage that power back over onto the arts. Yeah. And we, we see, I mean, you could just pick out anecdotally almost anywhere from art history and you say things like, well, Van Gogh was obviously an artist. Yeah. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't extracting economic value at all. No. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He sold one painting to like a family member or something. Yeah, you can be an artist and <laughs> end the year with a net loss. Yeah. And you could do it. And every you're not, not an life. artist. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what you're saying, Ryan, about these categories, like they exist, they're there. Um, and in the same way, you can be an entrepreneur, but never actually tap into that real artistry and yeah, just be efficiency yeah, yeah. with some stuff, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or, you know, there's an entire category of like economic uh, business creation that's just called copycat mm-hmm. where you say, oh, uh, people magazine, that's a thing. Well, I'll start us weekly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. 
Yeah. You know, you haven't really exercised creativity just because the color, yeah, instead of being red, is pink. Yeah, it's like back in California, there's Taco Bell. And then, and then somebody started Del Taco, which is really like the mirror of Taco Bell because yeah. it's Del instead of Bell, but it's Del Taco. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they have a lot of mirroring. They're not the same kind of food, but they're both fast food chains that sell kind yeah. of uh, Cali, Mexicali, California, Mexican style fast yeah. food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of things in name match, but in taste are distinct to their flavor profiles. Yes. But it's, it's not necessarily creative. It's appropriative. It's kind of like it's kind of like the raw side of capitalism. You know, it's like when you open up the never forgetting Carytown in our in our city. Uh, there's the Sweet Frogs um, spot, oh, yeah. and this rich kid whose dad's got a ton of money tries to come in. And Sweet Frogs is one of those frozen yogurt places where you can get whatever you want, kind of thing. And it's like a buffet of candy you put on top. And it was kind of a Richmond institution. They had a lot of locations. Yep. Like it was yep. here. So it's here. So some kid tells his dad, "We're gonna build." one right next to sweet frog and we're going to do exactly what they do, but we're going to do it better until they have to close down and we'll steal all their business. Classic capital, like bad, bad sort of, sort of the problem is not the opportunity itself. Right. The problem is the heart of the person who, um, that's a whole different discussion. It's, it's the problems in the people, not the system. Mm -hmm. So, so the guy does it, but of course he sucks because he has no creativity. Mm -hmm. So copying is not enough and it fails. Yeah. And sweet frogs is still there, so it you know in the end it didn't work, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah. and it's because of what Garrett's saying. It's because the guy had no vision, he had no creativity, he had capital, he had money, but he couldn't. Eat, and he even got some local artists to do some murals in there, and it still wasn't enough because his yeah. vision sucked. He mm-hmm. had no vision, and 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 within the vision, he has to see the whole. His vision was bound to fail because it was too predicated on appropriation. There's no no individuation in it. So what would you say to the business that is heavily appropriative but succeeds, like Del Taco? Um, is that entrepreneurship? Touché. I mean, touché. one thing I would say is, and this is a question. It's entrepreneurship. It's not artistry necessarily. Yeah, That's a conversation. And, and I think that this is a question I have to answer with my daughter a lot because she's always like, why is this thing here if this thing's here? And she, those are her questions. Her whole life's like, why was this named this? Why is this color this? Those kind of somewhat unanswerable questions. But the thing I would say is um, there's a lot of folks. So there could be market segments that are not being tapped mm-hmm. by a particular thing. And by a, right. a shade of change, that market segment can be activated mm-hmm. and can be um, you know, uh, drawn upon for economic value. Yeah. And if that's the case, great. But still, I would have to say we got to actually fight to talk about whether or not what you do is creative. Exactly. Um, or just opportunistic or something else. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is like perfect Perfect time to segue into our second question. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we just went in a way I didn't expect. So. Yeah, so we just took a took a big route. Hopefully, we got some stuff sketched out. For I'm the, sorry if y'all yeah. weren't following. Our artist, <laughs> the, our the short artist, answer to Cody's original question is no, not the same thing. Yes, yeah. and entrepreneurship. <laughs> yes, we not necessarily the, the same thing. Okay, yes. but with all this discussion, so if you can be an entrepreneur and not necessarily have to be super creative, mm-hmm. you can be heavily appropriative. Does that mean that being an entrepreneur always just involves money or getting money? That was the second question. We had. So, so, I mean, by the historic deep dive we did, it seems like it's definitely tied into that. Yeah, I would say it's not it's not not a part of it. But um, so let's I think the best way to that's a good start, question, by the way, it is. It's a really good question. And it makes total sense. Right. I mean, we are sorry. Y'all, we're always busting you all for talking about like, you know, uh, bashing capitalism and being a part of it at the same time. Um, 
But I think it's a good question. And I would say, this: if we go back to some of these definitions, all right, entrepreneurship, creation, or extraction of economic value, then you have the question of like, well, what do you mean by economic value? Because when we hear that, the, the very one-dimensional plane that we tend to have within our current culture is we say, oh, economic value, that means money. Well, that's because um, in a society of such diverse products that no longer can live in a local bartering system, money is the medium by which we transact economic value. Yes. And this is a wonderful conversation I have with students because I ask them, I say, okay, what do we do instead of money? And they always go back to bartering. And I'm like, okay, so what are you bartering? Like in that situation, what would you barter? And they're like, I don't know. I'd probably like, maybe I had like a bunch of trees I cut down. And so I'm giving my trees uh, for the, the, the chicken eggs that you have. And I was like, cool. So you just created money. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's wood for eggs. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Paper for wood, paper for groceries. I was like, yeah, it's money. And they're like, no, it's not. I was like, it's money. And we just keep having this fight. And students will really get into a corner. I'm like, tell me how it's not money. They're like, well, I'm not giving paper. And I'm like, you're giving trees for a thing. So why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Like it all comes down the same. We're so still like bartering. Monetary theory would say that it's bartering. like when you have a society that lands on a singular medium for value transactions. So so I'd say like you could have 10 people and those 10 people have their own unique products that they're bartering between each other and it's bartering. So the tree is not necessarily money until you have an entire community agree that this amount of log means this amount of value and now we're using it for money. Even if they're all taking it and burning it. At the end. Yeah, so you've got, what you've got there is you've got specific economic value. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it completely shortchanges the fullness of human, uh, human existence. All right, so um, if we were to say something very toxic and insidious, and we were to say that the only way you could measure your worth is through your economic production. Disclaimer, that, we don't believe that. No, but if that's what you were to say, that's a problematic statement because it negates so much of human existence, which is why that statement has been used as an aggressive tactic against certain economic stations in terms of the way that countries or entire societies use economics. Mm -hmm. Now, if I have that initial definition of entrepreneurship, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying creation or extraction of economic value, my first question is, again, what the hell do you mean by economic value? And if I push back and say, well, it can't just be money. There might actually, if there were to be other economic values, what would they be? Then it's a conversation of, okay, well, let's start to define value as an economic term. term. And with that, it is the measure of a benefit provided by a good or service to an economic agent. So the measure of a benefit. So with money, we know that. I get the thing that says 100 on it, it gives me 100 of those things, Mm. right? I know that. But if I build a park in your neighborhood, what's my economic value for that? Mm -hmm. You don't get anything from it. And I lose things from it. I've spent my money to put into a place that can now no longer generate tax dollars or rent or anything like that. So I have effectively done nothing but lose. But we all will agree I've provided an extreme economic value because suddenly the houses around that park now will cost more money on the market. Well, why? I haven't done anything. You've provided an economic value because there are actually economic values that are enabled by human relationship, Mm. that are enabled by places that are better that you want to be. And this is what Ian was talking about. That's what we would call generativity in a lot of ways. I would almost say that that that's where you're maybe getting into economic is an adjective for the word value, which presumes there's non-economic value. And so you could have a lot of value spheres 
that push against each other. So you could have a park that doesn't directly generate economic value, but it generates community value. Mm -hmm. And then community value creates a sort of environment that brings people together and the community value actually ends up bumping back into economic value and having well, that because yes. so that's the that's the ecosystem we've been talking about. So that that's the generativity of you if you don't if you if you over compartmentalize, you miss sort of the um, kind of the diagram you just gave us of mm-hmm. like the, the life cycle of what we're of a generative act yeah. in a community based environment. And you're you know so there's acts that create economic value and uh, qualitative richness for the economic agents that are the recipients of the value mm-hmm. or you know, transactionally or, or, you know, like, cause it's vicarious too, or it's, it's not vicarious. It's um, the homeowner didn't buy the house because the park there was there because the park came after, but now they are the recipient of the economic value because now the property values have gone up and then who else gets to get up. So I'm gonna go back to the mayor. This is where mayors suck. It's when they actually extract value that actually isn't there in the neighborhood. Yeah. Or they take out loans in the sense of... They're like, oh, we saw that park went up and we know your property yeah, values go up. So I guess your millage this year for taxes would probably go up yeah. a little bit too. So they, they get ahead of the natural state of the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the value generation the cycle. The value generation cycle and, and actually the qualitative state of the, the people benefited. Yeah. Um, and so, this is, this, I mean, gosh, this gets into like the way people are hunting down our data. So yeah. here's a question. Um, is it required for entrepreneurship to be defined in terms of economic value? Or can you have entrepreneurship that produces value in another sphere that we wouldn't say economic? 100%. Yeah. So we have, uh, there's an entire field called social entrepreneurship that really deals with this idea. And I mean, you would, you could technically put like shock award space within that, mm-hmm. right? Because it is, um, it is not the same return on investment. You know, like even the way you're looking at funding structures is going to be completely different because you'll look at people who would be more of the angel investor, mm-hmm. not necessarily the partner investor, right? Because they're like, oh, we need angel a, investors. It's like you're a nonprofit. I believe in what you do because it actually does provide all of these um, implicit and in a lot of ways, very explicit values That's right. um, within a community. Um, and so I, I, there, there are those, there, there are fields that define that. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, if I were to provide like the strongest critique I could for entrepreneurship, it is that it tends far too much to be in a wealth generation state than anything else. So mm-hmm. the only end it views as a success is going to be the amount of money. So even in places like you, you watch pop cultural things like, like Shark Tank or something, mm-hmm. even if you find something that's within that social entrepreneurial space, they're still going to be asking the same questions of like, well, how do we get a return on money? What are we going to make? How are we going to get rich? How are we going to do this? Those things are still there, which is a problematic thing. So what you need is you actually need folks like artists who may be less inclined to care about that subject as a primary subject and that, say, that I'm actually doing this. economic value. Uh, like economic, even like wealth generation. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, have your economic value so you can pay your bills. But uh, past that, like, you know, there's a lot of artists who are like, yeah, if I could just make a living, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And yeah, be great. scrappy. You know, I don't, I don't need to be six, seven figures. Like, I just want to pay my bills and not have to go work at this other place to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there definitely is. And there definitely should be more of it. And there is like a growing field for that, but it is being somewhat somewhat trampled by like broader scale 
entrepreneurship that is just wealth generation. It's sort of like in athletics, that's where athletes, so you, you look at um, the sort of the data on athletes are really data driven on, uh, on yeah. statistics and um, like, analytics. Like Moneyball. Yeah, so analytics on athletes and yeah. percentages and the an- analytics get really comprehensive. And there will be analytics that are p- assigned to an athlete mm-hmm. that the athletes themselves s- will say, well, the eye test and experience test of playing with this person doesn't match the analytics. In other words, this person is better than the analytics. They're, they're, and, and so what, what it's forced in our Western sort of mindset, this measuring kind of mindset, mm-hmm. is um, having to like really imbue categories with a lot of weight, mm-hmm. uh, like intangibles. So we go to the word intangible, they have a lot of intangi- intangibility that is hard to quantify. And so part of the problem is in, in just the Western vernacular, the Western way that we evaluate things, the way we measure things, is we, you know, uh, Eastern thought oftentimes has better categories for uh, this very, like this very, th- these intangibles, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're in their social fabric. Um, it's not in our social fabric. So then you get to these places where you're like, well, all the data says this, and this is you know, and this is what you're saying about artists. Is artists have often struggled in this very exact framework because yeah. they bring cultural intangibles that are hard to quantify, and there is a value. Otherwise, you wouldn't constantly see the cycle of gentrification that happens, where it starts with artists occupying a space and bringing about creative expressions and makerly excellence, excellence, yeah. and so on. Um, if there is a way to establish better partnerships from the ground up, we may not land with gentrification and we may not land with displacement, which is why we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Is if, if, you're, if you're not letting it be an order of uh, opportunity on the back end of somebody's work mm-hmm. um, to create generational wealth, and, um, but you're actually working together as designers, engineers, mm-hmm. and at the ground level, I think you have a better chance of making uh, a generative ecosystem mm-hmm. that doesn't displace somebody. So it's a, it's an order of affairs at the ground level as opposed to a, a venture capitalist move in, take over, do, sell, leave, yeah. go to the next thing mm-hmm. kind of situation. Yeah, it's the cycle that Ian was talking about in the other episode of like you just see this cycle of like build up, assume, extrapolate, destroy, yeah. leave. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it, that's exactly right. And it presumes, I mean, what, what you guys are talking about presumes that you have a paradigm for evaluating evaluating it's a funny word because that's value in it um yeah like like you have to be able to recognize value outside of money as its unit yep. in order to be able to then look at communities or like let's say i want to donate to an organization that's a non-profit and so i'm not getting a return on investment i could either say well nonprofit, show me some reports about like a numerical outcome for what you accomplished in the last five years. So that way I can know that if I give X number of dollars to you, then you're going to produce some type of return on investment that I might not reap, Mm -hmm. but that I can understand in in terms of like numbers and dollars. Yeah. Or if I'm going to try to evaluate something that someone's doing, not in terms of dollars, but some other value category, I have to have a paradigm. 
for how to engage with that value category. Mm -hmm. So I have to have a vision if it's community engagement. Well, what is a community definitionally? What is a poor health community? What is a good health or flourishing community? Mm -hmm. How do I come to this organization and say, okay, I've got a vision for community value. Now let me start talking to you and saying like, are you achieving that vision of community value such that when I give you X number of dollars, I can expect it's going to produce value in a completely different value category than the dollars that I gave you. Yeah. That's a big conversation. Well, that's also, so, you know, the beauty of of even this conversation in my mind is we are living in a definitionless society Mm -hmm. and where we close down conversation, we are rendering ourselves willfully ignorant and that's where you have a lot of people saying things like feelings trump facts. Yeah. And uh, my feelings don't care about your facts. And uh, I have command over definitions and, and you create a reordering of a social hierarchy in the name of anti uh, being anti-hierarchical. Mm-hmm. And in it, your ignorance is closing you in yeah. to and subjugating you to authoritarian or uh, somebody else coming in and having to tell you what to do mm-hmm. who actually still understands definitions and can parse out the complexity of reality enough to determine what the quality of life should be. Mm-hmm. And uh, hist- history has shown that you don't want that. No. Um, no. It's, it, it, so uh, to talk definitionally is to recapture that which has been thrown out and that which has been lost. And it, and it, it's in, in, in some of the, the institutions uh, that are the strongest culprits of this start with public education mm-hmm. um, and start with uh, shifting people into um, a consumeristic state mm-hmm. and to where uh, consumers over multiple generations become so dumb to that which they're consuming, let alone the system, that they know something's wrong, but they're not willing to see that it's actually in the way they've been educated. So they blame the system, uh, economically speaking, and and uh, are not, uh, by and large, on average, not capable of offering an alternative. Yeah. By, by education, just to clarify, you mean not just like job skills, but you mean like a deeper sort of like I'm character. Deep educa- yeah, I'm talking education. the total loss of virtue categories, the total loss of character categories, the total loss of uh, soft greater skills. soft skills, the gro- the total loss of greater good citizenship categories um uh you know love thy neighbor categories like there's a free fall away from that yeah and in 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 replace of that it's a hyper sexualized individuated uh pacification dehumanization Mm -hmm. those are the designations that is not a generative state to build a society from yeah i mean uh, an ongoing conversation whose constant refrain is shut up like it's not a conversation it's not a conversation that's what kids do when they're ticked and they're not disciplined. Yep. That's what like my kids would do if they didn't have parents that love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, with all of this, uh, like you were saying with the idea of schooling is like, if I'm on a bridge that's shaky, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't blame like the air around it mm-hmm. or I don't blame the water running underneath it. I don't blame uh, anything. I blame the foundation. The, the foundation, foundation is problematic. Foundation is right. Yep. Sums up with it. Otherwise, it, was, it would be solid. Yep. And so, when we think about that, then we do have to kind of push ourselves to get into a place where we're like, no, the only reason why you would think that we're that that money has to be involved in this is because the only way you process anything that you do post school is through a financial, economic 
money lives. Which makes sense in a consumeristic culture where money is your primary means of obtaining the things that you desire to consume. Right. And it means that if you aren't in line with that, then all you're doing is just defining yourself through negation. So you're like, I'm not about that. I'm not. And it's like, great. Well, what are you about? Mm -hmm. What are you about? Going back to your idea that you have to have the valuation categories. Like, how do you understand community or engagement or anything else? Somebody infinitely, infinitely wise once said, where your money is, there, there your heart is also. Yeah, makes so sense. There, your heart as in heart, the heart desire, affection, where your treasure is treasure. Yeah. yeah. So where your treasure is, it's it's where you align yourself, where you put your identity. It's where you put your money. So so it's it's it it, ref, it will reflect your values. Um, you know, so you can follow the money, mm-hmm. and the person who's an anti-capitalist, follow the money still, and you'll still find out that they're they're capitalizing the person yeah. who uh, we've said it before, but the person who the artist who thinks that they're more noble because they receive grants, how did that money get into your hands? Yep. It just changed. It went through two more hands and, and was cleansed by what? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. what? Cause it was donated. So there's, so you, you what moral authority are you appealing to to a noble yep. um, donation donated, as a, as a cleansing? Yeah. As a cleansing category mm-hmm. that strips, uh, um, you from uh, participating in capitalistic system mm-hmm. where you actually um, applied for something and won over yeah. against other people. And largely those things come from tax dollars, which is Absolutely. an effect of capitalism. Yep. Uh, small point. But the um, tax dollars are people who were entrepreneurial and started businesses and then out of the right. overflow yeah. donated. Yeah, so I think that like within this, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it's only just about money if you make it only just about money. That's the big, big um, part, and that's and so the, this does become money's like a, a tool. It becomes a personal responsibility thing. It's like nobody's making you make it about money, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, and there's plenty. Like we have people that have shown in our gallery that have done things like started like out of their garages, like uh, services where people can come and use tools to build uh, like frames. And stretch canvas and do things mm-hmm. like that because they don't have the space or the tools, mm-hmm. and they're doing that as a service. I don't know that it's like drastically changing their economic value as an mm-hmm. individual, but it is drastically changing the value of that artistic community that's able to take part in it. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you're like, that's more artistic production than maybe some, you know, painting or sculpture or something else that some other folks do mm-hmm. that they sold for a lot of money, because it's actually it's it's enabling something. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things that I saw coming to where I went to school is I was brought so close to people that, that on the one side of their mouth would say that they're all about like this kind of organic grassroots understanding of the effects of art. And, and they were the quickest to stand shoulder to shoulder with the most uppity, snobby, wealthy patrons. And I'm, and and I'm not anti people who patron the arts who happen to be wealthy. I am anti the snob part. Yes. I'm not down to snobbery. But I'm also willing to bear with the snob to help them not be one. Yeah. Because there's an there's a, a, a way to shift categories. We all got to grow. Yeah, we all got to grow. So so, but uh, that uh, inherent always contradiction when you when the allure of elitism kicks in and you have a chance to become a part of an exclusive club as an artist is very tempting. It's very very tempting, and you're you're admitting that you are inconsistent with what you say you value, your values are. Yeah. So my question is, is there just a bigger, maybe you need a bigger worldview, a thicker, yes. bigger worldview yes. that allows those to not be contradictory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't have to be. They, they don't, don't have to be. Anyhow, weird conversation today. Yeah, I think it's a good one, though. I mean, I think, I mean, I feel like that's kind of wrapped it up. We could keep going, but. No, yeah, I think this is a good place to stop. Pretty much wrapped it up. So, um, 
Yeah, it's good. Uh, probably like cap it at two questions a day. We may have some yeah. more of these coming up in the future, but I think um, we got some good stuff. And it, you know, it's a, it's a fun conversation that we could have. I don't know. We probably got two or three podcasts that we could pull out of that uh, two yeah. or three episodes that <laughs> we could get into a bit more. And the great thing as the series progresses and we continue to have guests um, who fall into that entrepreneurial space, we'll continue to see, like we talked about in previous episodes, how just observationally talking with these folks and seeing what they're doing, mm. confirm certain categories, expand mm-hmm. certain categories out of their sort of lived activity. Yeah. Um, and it, it'll be an interesting thing to hear from a lot of different people who are acting in entrepreneurial spaces and ways, and then maybe revisit a conversation like this to see yeah. um, what's been expanded, what's been confirmed, mm-hmm. what needs to be maybe altered. Yeah, and I think with a lot of things, you know, uh, you got two you got two ways you can kind of go through information. You can either read the people who talk about the thing, or you can read about the people who do the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times you get a you'll get good information in both places. Mm-hmm. But if you do one without the other, you're mm-hmm. not going to get a total amount of value. Out yeah. of the best picture. Yeah. So uh, wrapping up with that, uh, as always, we do love you guys. You are a fantastic audience. You have a great rest of your week and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.